0: Hi, I'm Michaela Loach and I'm Rebecca and this is the Yikes podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Yikes podcast. Um, I'm Michaela Loach and this episode is going to be a little bit different because usually I'm on with Joe, um, jo Becca, Trees and Peas and in Instagram. But um, this episode, we're doing something a little bit different that we've done before. Um, People might remember that back a couple months ago, we did an episode called Black Lives Matter is more than a trend with the amazing um, Marie Beecham and Leah Thomas. And we decided, the three of us, that we'd like to do another episode, another update on where we're at. Um, So if you don't know Marie and Leah, they're going to introduce themselves now. I'm so excited to share this episode with you all because it's just great.
1: Go on, you guys.
2: Hi, I'm Leah Thomas. I'm the founder of the Intersectional Environmentalist Platform and I'm a sustainability advocate.
1: And I am Marie Beacham at Marie Beach on Instagram, and I am an anti-racism and social justice educator.
0: Hello, before we get into this conversation, I just want to define a few things because we always want these conversations to be as inclusive as possible. Um so within this conversation because obviously leah founded the intersection environmentalist platform The definition of intersectional environmentalism that Leah uses, there are so many different definitions, but the definition that Leah uses is it's an inclusive version of environmentalism that advocates for both the protection of people and the planet. It identifies the ways in which injustices happening to marginalised communities and the earth are interconnected. It brings injustices done to the most vulnerable communities and the earth to the forefront and does not minimise or silence social inequality. Intersectional environmentalism advocates for people and the planet. Um we also talk about a few other things and as always I'd encourage people to be Googling along as you're listening to this episode. If there's something you don't understand, then just give it a Google, um, as that will like help you understand these conversations better. But we do try and use inclusive language. Um and one other thing is to note that both myself, Leah and Marie, we are seen. And what I mean by when I say palatable um black women, we are all of us are lighter skinned, all of us are like straight-sized, um we all have pretty privilege in some way we are privileged in so many ways that make us um more palatable i guess to people and so we all three of us would always encourage you to make sure that you're following on instagram loads of different voices and not just listening to the ones that you see as the most palatable um yeah and making sure that you're always trying to amplify and listen to voices of people who are the most marginalized is that so important um but yeah, we'll just jump into the conversation now. So um, I'm so excited to have both of you back on the podcast. And um, we had a conversation quite a few months ago um, about so many different things and um, during I guess like the height of the civil rights movement during the summer um and so much has changed during that time um so like we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of revisit this conversation and um talk about some other things and just have a bit of a chat um so yeah who wants to who wants to go first they want to say like how they felt in the time in between like maybe touch on something that's changed or yeah anything go ahead
2: I think for me it's been like Super beautiful and really exciting. Um, I think the newer thing that's starting to happen is people are getting a little bit meaner. I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, environmentalists, but there are a lot of kind of conservatives Mm. that have suddenly found my page as we get closer to the election cycle. So I think that's just been something new for me after kind of going viral, like Mm. we all kind of did in a way, um, which was largely positive. Um, Then there being a lot of kind of negativity from people who really support the current president in the United States, or just kind of weird uh sensitivity I don't want to even use that word because sensitivity is like a beautiful thing, but weird fragility I guess that's happening from primarily like white environmentalists who feel excluded um which is odd,
0: yeah, I know also I kind of know what you mean maybe in a different context like in the u k we didn't we're not having our election coming up we've already had our election so I guess we kind of have bypassed some of that but I think just with growing a platform in general there's gonna be more backlash from people and then and more people finding your page and like I guess that yeah it's like balancing how do you look after yourself within all of that um I did a post actually today talking about how if there isn't backlash for something that I'm not sure how much I'm agitating but then also I guess there's like kind of conflicts because it's like we also need to look after
1: ourselves as marginalized people does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And yeah, I think the big thing for me has been figuring out what balance looks like. Um, so like all of us in different ways, my like past few months has come with so much change. And just this morning, I was reflecting on a few months ago, I was celebrating 3000 followers. And now I'm nearing... Just like a few months later, three hundred thousand followers, and that's wow, that's a really radical change in someone's life, um mm. not even about numbers or anything like that like that's so arbitrary, but um just realizing that you have this platform, and with that platform, even with any marginalized identities that I hold, um, that platform brings privilege for me um, mm. and also it's incredibly demanding. Um, and it's incredibly draining, so then I need to find balance and resting and things like that um But what Leah was describing about receiving backlash, I think I've been receiving less of that recently because um I received a lot right when um some of my work started to really take off, and I think what's so dangerous about receiving all of that backlash? is it really starts to take root. So like some of my initial posts that I made, I loved and I put so much work into. And then I received so much criticism that I fell out of love with it. And I started to agree with a lot of the criticism of, yeah, I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't have done this. Like I did this wrong. Um, And I think criticism is really important and accountability is really important. But some of... um, the criticism wasn't constructive. Some of the criticism, um, that was more just like hateful and bigotry, um, that really started to take root. And mm. that was hard for me. Like in the past few months of adjusting, like, man, to some people, like my work and my posts and me and everything that I stand for, like to some people, I'm the bad guy, you know, and here I am thinking I'm like this, like justice person who's like doing all this great stuff but some people think of me as like oh man she is so problematic oh she's got it all backwards like and I that was really hard for me to come to terms with you know especially
0: because like I guess all of us to different extents like both of you to a much greater extent than me were kind of um thrown into going from kind of being like a person to being a public figure, like quite quickly. Um, and I feel like the levels of accountability for like pe- when people see you as a public figure and you have like this big account, um, there's a there's a much greater level of accountability that comes with that. Um, but also I think people like view you very differently and view what you say as very different. Like it it kind of moves beyond like your own opinion and into I don't know, I feel like people will treat at least this is my experience, people treat me like a product or like an organization more than like an individual as well and that's kind of I guess it's tricky like like getting used to that switch whereas before it was very much like oh yeah this is just my opinion you know and (laughs) I think that like yeah it's just trying to work out like obviously being catapulted into this new space gives you so much more privilege and adds privilege to like who you are and you're able to advocate for yourself but also there's just so much that you have to deal with around that And it's just kind of like, it can be tricky. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. And like the idea of, I completely agree about like, I'm seen as this figure or like this organization that's supposed to represent things, but an organization can't really be like, well, I'm still learning things. I'm still figuring things out because then everybody would say, oh my gosh, like that's so lazy. That's so careless. They don't even stand for anything Um, because I would be like that if an organization was like, well, we still have work to do. Um, but like, I'm Mm -hmm. a person, I am barely an adult. I'm 20 years old. So like, of course, I'm still learning things. Of course, I'm still Mm -hmm. figuring things out. And I want to be held to a different standard than that of a figure or a organization. But also I understand it's important that I realize that my words have weight and that my choices make an impact. So I really need to like like, live up to that and fill those shoes um, and take responsibility. So it's just like a big kick in the butt in a lot of different ways for, yeah, does that make sense? Especially like Leah being like, you know, a founder and uh, like the position where Leah's literally spearheading an organization. So I'm sure Leah's experiencing that like tenfold.
2: Wholeheartedly. I think this happening in quarantine, I don't know if you all feel the same way, like, it almost feels like a video game of sorts, because mm. I'm still in my house, I don't really see many people other than like my close friends super safely. Mm. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements, but again, it's just me opening up my laptop and doing it and still in the comfort of my home so I don't think that it's completely set in that oh some people have certain expectations or okay these a hundred thousand people are more than just like little numbers on Instagram and I think I realized that for the first time when I was vacationing um safely for the first time and someone came up to me and they were like are you are you green girl? And it was just like this really surreal (laughs) moment that happened. And I think it filled me with a lot of anxiety because I do have anxiety. And I started to think like, what if I don't meet these people's expectations? Like what if, you know, they see something online and I don't meet it. And then I, I just realized that that was maybe a confidence thing that i needed to be very sure and very comfortable in myself and not get down on myself and just kind of embrace what's happening because in so many ways it's such a privilege to have a platform but I think it happening so quickly, there are a lot of expectations. Um, And I think it's, you can never be enough. Like for some people I'm too aggressive. For some people I'm not aggressive enough. For some people I'm too this, you know, my, my aesthetic is too pretty and my graphics are too pretty. And for some people it's too, you know, boring. And it's just getting that sort of feedback and just trying to fight against being a people pleaser because, I am the biggest people pleaser in the world and I want everyone to like me. And I just had to realize that this isn't sustainable and I need to just focus on the goal. And the goal is to hopefully help the climate movement become a little bit more inclusive and just understand that not everyone's gonna like me. And guess what? That's okay because there are so many incredible black women doing things and we are not the only three black women in this space. Saying that is almost like an insult Mm. to all black women who have come before us. And we need to break that paradigm that one black woman needs to be everything for everyone and instead just uplift each other. And if people don't vibe with me, that's okay. There are so many other people that they would probably connect with, um, that are doing other things. And I wish we could, you know, kind of shift that paradigm a little bit.
1: Absolutely. I really relate to a lot that you just said. <laughs> um, even like you saying that you got like recognized. Um, I've been getting like quote unquote recognized and it makes me incredibly uncomfortable because like when I am just thinking I'm like getting gas and someone says like oh my gosh I follow you um I go wow thank you that's awesome And also in that same instant, I realized like, wow, you've basically like read my whole diary. You know everything. My heart's on my sleeve and I don't even know your name. Like you have such a leg up on me. That's really intimidating. Um, So That's something that I didn't even realize would come with having such a platform is I do like people are in my business because I let them in my business. But then to have those interactions in person, it can be really intimidating. Like the idea that like, when I was getting gas, before they said something, they were looking at me and knowing who I was and they were like excited. And I didn't even know that I was like being seen or being watched, you know what I mean? And that's again, like a very like privileged problem to have, um, but that's something that you really can't predict and you don't have time to get used to when your growth is so rapid like ours was, if that makes sense
0: yeah and like especially what you're saying Leah about like the fact that I i think I've been finding it really tricky a lot of the the fact that obviously like we are not pretty much everything I hope this is okay to say this but pretty much anything, I know that anything that I'm saying I'm not the first person to have ever said any of that like I'm not the first person <laughs> yeah. to have ever like said these ideas or to communicated this like like I'm mm-hmm. or anything that I say is working off the back of so many other people's work that's come before me so many other like amazing black women or indigenous activists or like all these people who've been doing this work for so much longer and then it then kind of it feels so conflicting and 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 weird to then finally like have me being listened to or myself being platformed and then like trying to work out and then also then have myself being criticized probably rightly so sometimes for like not um I know not amplifying other people enough, but then it, it, then it sometimes it can feel like nothing is ever enough. Um, but then it's just trying to like remember. I don't. Know, I think it's trying to balance the like the need for accountability with myself, and that's so important. Um, and the need for accountability for people online, and then also the extent to which like I'm, I'm not a news channel. Like I'm, I, I can't like talk about every different issue, and I can't spend my whole my whole life on on Instagram <laughs> otherwise I won't get any other like <laughs> organizing done or any other work done um mm-hmm. and so it's just like I think I just I think it's really important to remember that like we are like it's just this complex, isn't it like that we are the like the palatable we we have three women who who yeah we're, we're black women but we're much we're very palatable by many ways um and mm-hmm. then like how do we how do we, like, use that privilege to advocate for other people as well? Um, and just, yeah, so many sorry things, sorry, my brain's, like, going everywhere now.
1: No, I totally agree. Um, and I even think of, like um, like, what you said, nothing I say is new, nothing I say is original. Like, if I was trying to, like, pull new ideas that nobody's ever thought before out of thin air, I think I would be, like, failing because so many people have done this work before us. And it's so important that we carry on their work. It's so important that we amplify their work and that we build on past ideas. Um, CS Lewis even says like the best teachers aren't like instructing new things. They're just reminding of simple truths. Like students don't really need much instructing. We just need reminding. And that's true. I think of a lot of like social justice issues. Um, And So I completely agree about feeling conflicted about like building off past work. And I also think it's really important. And what you said about receiving criticism for um, maybe not doing enough, both Michaela and Leah, you, you talked about this. Um, I receive quite a lot of criticism (laughs) and I have thousands of angry DMS. um, And I really feel conflicted because accountability is important um however a lot of the times I get criticism that I'm not talking about enough things that I'm forgetting to mention this issue and this crisis and that I failed to acknowledge this when really I'm a 20 year old who picks up my phone and shares things on Instagram and then like puts my phone down and I go to class and I like do this work and I do this and like you said Mm -hmm. Michaela like I'm not a news station and I don't claim to be like a comprehensive source of all of your world news. Um, But I am like held to that high standard and I totally understand it. And I think it's a fine line. And one thing that's been really upsetting for me is other like, quote unquote, activist influencers in this space have been extremely critical of me and um, have been it seems like there's almost this resentment as if we're all competing. You know, we're all competing for the same crowd. We're all competing for attention. We're all um, competing to be the best to say it or, or the first to say something. And this competitive nature mm. is really disheartening mm-hmm. because it doesn't help us in our mission, which is a unified mission. And it certainly doesn't make this movement one that people want to join, you know, Um and there's even it makes me think of this study that um, people they did there was a study done about how people feel about vegetarians and all in all the pe- everybody was like yeah vegetarians they're fine like whatever but the group most critical of vegetarians was vegans because vegans were upset that vegetarians weren't going all the way um, and the study was supposed to like reveal how even when people like agree on an issue even when people like are in the same, like on the same team, there's still isolation if you're not in the exact place on the same team. You know, if you're not in the exact mm. same position or the exact same stage in life or the exact same place in your journey. And then there is this like resentment that builds and this competition that builds of um, like resentment if they think you're like like trying to one up them in that in some way or resentment if they think you're not doing enough and you're just kind of a phony and that's been really like really upsetting because like I'm just doing the best I can. I'm just trying to um make good things happen and I want all of us who have the same goals to be really united in that and to uplift one another and to um be supportive of one another.
2: I feel so bad for your DMs. Like, I can't even imagine what they look like. <laughs> it's like, maybe I'll get two <laughs> weird ones a day, but I bet you're like, bombarded. And my feelings, I am a sensitive oh, being. And I'm always like, wow, <laughs> like, I get really emotional about them. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to, my mom tells me not to worry. Um, but no, I totally feel that. And I think that's kind of why intersectional environmentalist was started touching on your first point, because as I was going viral as a PR person, I realized really quickly, like, okay, I'm a wider skinned black woman who worked for Patagonia, like these people that has grown up in primarily white spaces, these people are probably going to try to flock to me um, and paint me as like the person or us, the three of us as like the people in environmentalism. Like I really wanted to see very quickly Mm. how we could, and it was done scrappily, not with as much intention. And, you know, we're evolving, but I was like, how can we pull together a council of people like... Teresa Baker, who started the Outdoor CEO Diversity Pledge and has been doing this work for forever, or Jose, who is the founder of Latino Outdoors, who has been in this movement for a long time. And how can we create a council or a separate entity, intersectional environmentalists, that isn't like a Leah fan club that can highlight repeatedly different people? And it's really cool. And we (laughs) want to find ways to expand that even more, like working with people who aren't necessarily like in our council, but in our network for IGTV videos, just to show people there are all these people who are in the space. And the exciting thing is it's actually worked really well because we have this kind of cyclical amplification where we basically follow a bunch of people um and then we just repost all of their content pretty much like on our stories and things like that because as we grow that means that they grow and then it's just been so amazing like every time we post someone's you know stuff and then seeing them grow as yeah. well because you know We have to have that cyclical amplification Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm sorry, but the media isn't going to give it to us and they're not going to give it to us in the way that they're giving it to white influencers. So if we can actually collaborate and not compete with each other, then I think we can do incredible things and work against like, you know, the amplification that we're not getting from the media. So I don't know, I, that, that competition thing that you were saying is really real. And I think it is a product of white supremacy, especially in the context of like black women thinking that we need competitors instead of collaborators. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that that's something that I need to be extremely aware of, like my privilege as a lighter black woman and making sure that I am using my platform to make sure that I'm amplifying other people But I also need to make sure that I'm taking time for my mental health and not just continuously being like, how can I make everyone happy in this exact moment? And that's something that I am struggling with, like recognizing my privilege and recognizing the responsibility that my platform has given me, but also realizing that I'm just one human being, a human being. And another thing that I like to... um, kind of say is like I am not the one way to do environmentalism my personality my temperament you know it's just my my methods they're only one and that doesn't discredit you know if someone else has a different way of communicating that information that might help people get really interested in you know environmentalism and social justice and like I support them and again people shouldn't have to say like it's Leah versus this person, or it's this person versus this person. It's like, no, we can all exist in the same space with different methods and not have to like hate on each other. And I just, I really don't like that, you know, competition because I'm all here for it. Having a bunch of people with different methods, if that means that we can get more people interested in like climate education.
0: oh my gosh especially thinking about competition that's something that um, but also about how social media has become this like well not become it is like a cult of personality in so many ways and it's like um, it is so individualistic and I find that tricky because I think that individualism is a huge issue especially within activism and um, like I'm reading, I, I say I'm reading, I'm reading for flipping ages because I just dip in and out, but um, I'm reading Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis in it. She, <laughs> she talks about, I feel like I always say I'm reading it because it's like, it's a collection of essays. So I'll dip into the essays. But <laughs> I always say
1: I'm reading stuff too. It's like, yeah, well, I picked it up last week, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, it, there's an essay that talks specifically about individualism and how like that's used to kind of um, stop, movements from being cohesive and together and it talks she talks about how people in history like depict the civil rights movement as the act of like all these exceptional individuals um but actually all that does is kind of feel people make individ- make, make other people feel like that they aren't they aren't an exceptional individual therefore they're not equipped to make change and I feel like when we allow that to happen on Instagram when we allow it to be that it, it has to be this person who said this and this and like therefore like if if for example say that someone was like no one else is allowed to talk about intersectional environmentalism apart from people on the council like all that does is like gatekeeper side of of activism all that does is prevent a message from getting out there more and it makes it about the individual rather than about the movement and we need to be like about the movement more and I wish that I wish that like we could move away from this individualism a little bit and like more into like how can we be part of a collective struggle.
2: Yeah I completely agree and then I also realize like a lot of people just feel like making stuff up um which is it's 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 hurtful like I've heard people say like Leah like you're trying to like copyright the word intersectional environmentalism or like you're trying to you know be the owner of this or you're trying to trademark it and I think That is also something that I would love if people could fact check, like some of the things, you know, that they say, Um, and it can be incredibly hurtful, like the ways that they might, you know, criticize people if it's not like actually founded in something that is going on. And that's something that I've seen, like, with activists, and it is kind of that competitive nature. Um, And that's just kind of a side note. But I really wish people would like, sometimes fact check that information, um, when it might not necessarily be the case. Because I mm-hmm. like that's what I say, like intersectional feminism, like that is a word that exists and describes like so many different things. And I don't that's how I would see intersectional environmentalism being even if I put those two words together, like I'm sure other people have done that so many times. And I don't want to be the validator of that word and that term, nor intersectional environmentalist or any of the council members. I think we're all just different like expressions of what intersectional environmentalism can be. And it can look like something different for everyone. So I mean, yeah, there's that post that I posted in May, but I don't really want to be the gatekeeper of it. And I don't want to own it in any way, shape or form. Like I want it to spread far and wide and for people to build off of it and just always make sure they're crediting, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw and the process and all the Black women who have pioneered it. Mm -hmm. But I really hope people know that even though we're called intersectional environmentalists, we are not the gatekeepers of or validators of what it means. And for people to view it similarly to intersectional feminism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And like circling back to what Michaela was saying about individualism and how individualism can be really insidious, even though it comes from maybe good intentions, but also like maybe a little splash of like superiority complex and maybe a little dash of, um, you know, being like really elitist about things. Um, I think it, it makes sense that in these movements we can feel competitive or we can um, be maybe be inclined to like make jabs at another person because um, like I've had people who were supposed to be like my, my Insta friends, make some pretty rude comments on my posts or DM me some things that that weren't really justified. And um, I think it kind of makes sense because we've always been sent the message that there's only room for one. Um, Like there's only room for one of you. There's only room for one black person. And then the box is checked. There's only room for one XYZ and then the Mm. box is checked. So I think that really does explain why there might be more of a competitive feel because we are all competing for like that token spot, the one who gets to like break through the glass ceiling, because we know that there are a lot of obstacles and it can feel like you're like all trying to climb to the top to hold on to that one spot which is in itself really problematic, but I think it offers somewhat of an explanation of why maybe people might be resentful when they see you doing things, Leah, and maybe why they might be a little bit upset and projecting different things onto you. And um, like a lot of my friends in this space, like there's no one who... I see myself as, like, an exact replica of, like, there's no one who I have all of the same thoughts as or all of the same passions as or anything like that, and I think that's important that we're all different, Um, and, like, while whenever I feel, like, a criticism toward another, like, creator or activist or whatever you want to call it, I always slow down to think, like, am I holding them to a higher standard than I would to someone who holds different identities, like if this um, black woman or indigenous person is taking work and I'm questioning it, am I also that critical of maybe a beautiful white creator who has um, a lot of privilege and it's taking the same work? Or would I just be like, no, yeah, it makes sense that she would do it, but you can't. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people do. I think they do hold um, different like BIPOC creators to higher standards and mm-hmm. um, which, which is really harmful, and it sort of goes back to like we have to work twice as hard to get half as far um, when when there's so much when everything you do comes with like backlash.
0: hello so the yikes podcast is primarily supported by our wonderful patrons um if you don't know what patreon is it's basically a platform that you can support creators to make content um because we can't be fucked with capitalism so yeah sponsored ads we do some sponsored ads but usually um most companies don't really support what we're doing (laughs) if you are a company supporting our work and you're interested shout out um yeah but in general, we want to be supported by our community because that means yes. we can talk about the things that we want to talk about. We aren't influenced in any way by anything. We just talk about the things that we think are important and a lot of these mm. issues um, aren't really supported by many things. So that's why we're supported by you. We want to be owned by our community. Yeah. So if you do um, learn from us, you appreciate our work um, and this podcast, then um, yeah, please uh, join our Patreon. It's the Yags podcast, just on Patreon and uh, it helps yeah making this podcast sustainable and makes it actually happen and yeah and also we put on for the second tier we put on extra bonus episodes every week so you get extra content um, where we have like more relaxed chats about so many different things we've talked about migrant rights a lot on there we've talked about more about the media we've talked about so many different things things. personal things Um, it's a really great space as well we sometimes do Q&As we Mm. share essays on there Um, you just get more content from us and mainly you can support our work if you've learned anything from us Um, so thank you to all the people who are already supporting us and yeah yeah, thank you for making this happen and yeah please check out the Patreon link in the show notes and we hope you're enjoying this episode Um, yeah thanks Yeah, and I feel like there's an important distinction to make between, like, um, the competitiveness or or gatekeeping that we are seeing and then, like, the importance of... um, Well, the history of erasure um, of, like, Mm -hmm. black people's work um, and the, like, importance of crediting Mm marginalised folk for their work. So I think there's, like, that's, like, a different... Like, for example, it's really important... um, like within the environmentalism movement, there's been such a huge erasure of um, indigenous knowledge and of like the work of so many BIPOC people within the movement that's been kind of co-opted and taken by white folks instead. And so it's in that context, like obviously it's so important that these like marginalized people are being credited for their work. Um, I think what we're more talking about is when people kind of get in like spats on Instagram, especially when people are like are kind of attacking like other marginalized people um I feel like that's when it's different I think it's really for example say that you've done some work and then like a white creator like completely copies your work and they have because I think power and privilege play into this so much it's definitely about like who has power and who has privilege and that plays into that um and there's one other thing I would to say as well to comment on what Leah was saying before about um like making sure that we use our privilege to lift other people up as well um I remember that or to amplify other people. Um, Aja Baba always says this to me and she says that like a rising tide lifts all ships. And I think that what I see that happening with like black women on these spaces so much and with already marginalized people, because I think that like when when we work together and when we like try and actually like amplify each other, then like all of us are, amp- or, like all of us win in the end, like if we work together and if we always, so I think I see that myself with, with my privilege, I can use that privilege to also, Yeah, to share space. And that's what, like, Interactional Environmentalist is doing to, like, open up some, not even open up more space, but to give that space. It's like, we have this kind of idea that we, that there's not enough of anything, but in the reality that there is so much space and there's enough space for all of us to thrive. Yeah, I,
2: I agree completely. And I think that's something that I even have personally. It's like a scarcity mindset. Since I've been in college, like I've been working and working and working and just like trying to, you know, survive. And I think that's something that I personally have. And I think that is something I can only speak for me and my family and like our African-American identity where we have kind of had a scarcity mindset because, we never knew if things were going to get taken away from us. So just like working as hard as we can. Um, But that's something that I do try to remind my own self to take a step back because sometimes when I'm taking work, I'm just thinking about, you know, like I want to be able to support my family and like provide for my family and I don't know if this is going to stop I don't know if you all have had similar thoughts about that because there's so much like woke washing that's happening right now mm-hmm. and green that's happening right now I have never been this bombarded in my entire life with requests to do work and speaking engagements and then I'm thinking like well what if this ends like what if it's not trendy anymore for them to like want to talk to black women like I need to take mm-hmm. all of these engagements now and I'm trying to rest and I'm trying to relax and try to think with more of a growth mindset, but it's so deeply embedded in me. And I honestly do not trust a lot of these corporations to continue this work in 2021. Um, And that's why I think I am scared because will it be trendy next year? Like who, which of these companies is actually still going to be like fighting for diversity and inclusion as passionately as they are right now. Um, So I think that's why when people are like, Leah, you've been you've been working. And I'm like, yeah, and I, I need to sleep, but I'm just scared that this is going to go away. And I think I need to give myself permission mm-hmm. to rest um, and also make sure that I pass those opportunities if it's not me to other people and to loop in other people to some of the um, opportunities that have come my way.
1: I completely agree with that scarcity mindset, um, because we all know that with a large majority of people, um momentum will fade. And that's why I talk about how it's important to not just have like emotion fueled action or emotion fueled activism because our emotions are really um they ebb and flow. So you can't have anything that just relies on outrage because outrage will fade and then that means action will stop. Um, but I completely agree about the scarcity mindset and being afraid that um people will stop listening and it's sort of like what we talked about a few months ago. Like, man, it really sucks that my existence and my struggles and my experiences and my perspective is a trend. It really sucks mm-hmm. that I know that everybody's going to be over me, like at some point, and it's going to be completely up to them because the work that we do, it feels like like an oxymoron. Like I'm here trying to oppose white supremacy, trying to uh, dismantle white supremacy when the very nature of my work is to serve white people and give them answers and educate them and meet them where they're at and make it something like serve them. I want you to be able to understand this. I'll help you. I'll hold your hand. I'll walk you through it. And it's like, it's an oxymoron because it's entirely contradictory. Like, yes, here, I'll educate you, but you better not expect other black people to educate you. Yes, I'll hold your hand and answer your questions, but don't think that you're entitled to get answers from black people whenever you want. And it's so, it feels hypocritical and it feels so wrong um, that the very nature of your work might be perpetuating white suprem- the white supremacy that you're mm. seeking to dismantle And I've gotten some really real criticisms about that because I think that is a real issue. You know, even if people are engaging with what you have to say, even if people are commenting that they love it and that you provoked thought, you really don't know if they're doing anything with this in their lives. Like, you really don't know if they're reading about it and that's all they do. Like, if you and your work is making them feel like they're doing enough and it might actually be resulting in lack of action because you're making them feel like wow I'm doing great I follow people on Instagram I shared a thing by a black woman like like box checks for the day and that's the exact opposite of what you want and you really can't know that just from from numbers or analytics or anything like that like the ball's in their court and you have no control and you have no understanding and that really sucks like it's it's really difficult Mm -hmm.
2: this is a word and I'm so glad that you said it Um, Yeah, that's something that I started to just have a yikes moment because somebody was like, I don't like intersectional environmentalists because it's meant for white people. And I was like, you know what? It hurt my feelings for a second, but I was like, is it? Oh my God. Like a lot of our content, Mm -hmm. who are the people who, I mean, yeah, some of it is uncovering like history that can be really empowering like for BIPOC, but a lot of it, like educating people on systemic racism and making Mm -hmm. those sorts of posts, like that's everything everyday reality for a lot of black people. So while they might see it and, you know, like it and say, yes, a lot of the people who are actually learning and taking away a lot from it are white people. And that's something that I've been thinking about, like, how can we have that educational content But our primary responsibility be like creating space and creating content for BIPOC to say, yeah, I see myself in that. Or that's like a story that is really relatable to me. So that's why we're trying to work really quickly to expand and become a media house so we can have some more like content and film that is specifically catered to like our demographic audience being primarily BIPOC, because that's something that I had to set back and say, like, wow, you know, we are educating a lot of white people. And I think that is incredibly valuable, because hopefully, like Marie said, they won't, you know, burden other black women with their questions, and hopefully they can learn through these resources. But another thing that I've been doing on Green Girl, my personal page, is also just showing people my my life a little bit more and just posting some fun stuff that doesn't really have much to do with environmentalism because I want to show people like I don't solely exist to serve you through my platform and I also want to experience joy and I also want to have fun and even if those posts don't get as much engagement and they don't like when I post something that has to do with intersectional environmentalism like I'll get a ton of likes if it's educational and shareable and a graphic. But I'm like, you know what, I just want to post a video of me going for a bike ride because this is an example of Black Girl Joy and this makes me happy. Or I just want to post a picture of what I did yesterday with my cat. And I think that's helped me personally to kind of um, take the stakes and make them not so high. And I think it also hopefully helps people see that I'm a human and not just like an educational source. Um, but the most important thing is just, that's just something that I want to do for myself just to be able to experience a little bit of joy through social media.
0: I think I've had quite a similar experience with that. So I kind of made it, I made it to a point where like, kind of, I realized that I was pretty much like divulging my racial trauma for the benefit of white people online. And that that was actually really like damaging me. And, like, I was getting really anxious, like, a lot. And, like, I don't think it was really that helpful for me. And then I also realised that, like, my success and my, I guess, my career on that space was dependent on how much white people liked my way of explaining racism um, and explaining oppression. And then that kind of felt like further oppression, that, like, my success was dependent upon the approval of, of white people. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I had this, like, I got really upset about it all and, like, i took a break from instagram for a while because i realized like i wasn't using i wasn't at least using instagram in a way that was like helping my own like liberation in any way so then therefore like i is that kind of that helpful um and i think i started doing the same thing where i just post things to show that like that i enjoy that like post my joy as much as other things or maybe more than other things and just re kind of reclaim my space as as my space um and yeah, when I post about my joy, I don't get as much engagement um, or whatever. But I've deliberately like decided, and I ever, also ever since I've done that, I get less mean messages because I think people are like, oh my gosh, she's actually a person. She's not just like a source of information or an educator or an activist. Like I like have friends and I like pigs and I like dogs. and I like, I don't know. And I feel like that is a way in which, I think that I heard Rachel Cargill speak on a podcast, on Andre Henry's podcast, um, Hope and Hard Pills. And she says that, she realizes that her work is basically explaining things and talking about things so that like loads of other black women don't have to do that. And black people don't have to do that in their own spaces. And that's like helping them out in that way. And she was just like, she was saying that to like, she's like my only thing that I would say to black people is unless you feel really called to do this work, then your only role is to feel joy as often as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I want you to do. And that really like hit me. Like, I was like, am I allowing myself to feel joy as often as possible? Like, obviously I feel called to this work, but I'm also like, I also am called to feel joy. Um, I think that's just super important.
1: I completely agree with everything you just said, Michaela. I like to think of my work as like, it is for white people, as in like, I am speaking to you. I am talking to you and I hope you pick up what I'm putting down. But it's also for, like for BIPOC folks, as in, I hope it's in their best interest. I hope that I'm making society a place that's better for them. And I hope I'm, though I'm not the expert on anything, I'm just the expert on my own experience, I hope that what I say resonates with um, other BIPOC folks and makes them feel heard Mm -hmm. and really affirms and validates their experiences. So it's for white people as in like, you better learn from this. And it's for BIPOC folks, not as in like, hey, take notes, but as in, like, I'm here, and you're heard, and you are seen, and, like, I want it to be something where, like, like even if it's just the one thing that day that makes them feel like somebody else gets it, because, like, for me, you know, um, as a Black woman, I started to really reflect on, um, there have never been Black women in my life, aside from um, my sister, and then my, like, extended family on um, my dad's side but like I started to I was looking through my scrapbooks through the years and I realized that if you took out all of the black women my scrapbooks would look like the exact same and I thought about like all of the white men in my life who if you took all of the white men out of their scrapbooks their scrapbooks would be empty or like the white women in my life if you took all the white women out of their scrapbooks their scrapbooks would look totally different. And like a scrapbook is just a representative for your life and for your memories. But realizing like, I really haven't had other black women in my life um, for like, since childhood. And um, that, that was why it was so important for me to read books by black women and about black women, and to take in like media that was for me, and that made me feel really heard, and that really validated my experiences and made me feel seen in a way that the people in my life couldn't really do. Um, So that's what I hope to be for other people who share my identities, even though, yeah, I am like serving white people in a way, and that comes with a whole mix of emotions. But what I think is really important is And um, like Leah, you were talking about how like you, you're working yourself because you have this scarcity mindset. And while I relate to that, Michaela has really helped me to get out of that because Michaela always talks about rest is resistance. Michaela brought it up the last time we were on the podcast. And that has been my mantra about finding joy and finding rest, being a radical act of resistance and Mm -hmm. um, being like the best way to to really show that like, like white supremacy is not winning when I'm taking time for myself. And like, you know, I even like to talk about how, like, even if you are doing like anti-racism work, it still feels like racism's kind of winning because racism got my time, energy and attention today, you know? Um, Mm. Like, and Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson, she talks about how like, racism is distraction and also so does toni morrison she's got a great quote on how like the end goal of racism is distraction so as long as we're still always putting out these fires and tending to it and combating it and all that like in all of that time though it's necessary work racism's winning like racism like we have to hand it ourselves and that's why rest is such a radical act and joy is such a radical act and I, I just, I love all the people who have opened my eyes up to that from Michaela to Rachel Cargill to all sorts of people. And Mm -hmm. I, it's a battle every day, especially when you like combine like white supremacy with like capitalism, with like hustle culture, with like all these systems that tell us like our worth is only in how we serve people and how we, um, do that, even though, um, I'm going to stop. I I could, I could ramble, but I'm going to stop there. You know what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. I'm super like, yeah. Michaela, thank you. In our last podcast, I really remember you saying, um, I don't know if you said joy is radical or rest is radical or whichever one it was. Um, And then also I think, what is
0: it called? The nap ministry? The nap ministry. Yeah. So Joe is actually, so that person I usually co this podcast with um she's she's the one who has really solidified this into me because she's followed the Nat ministry for quite a while and it's run by a black woman who basically talks about how like rest and joy is resistance especially in like a white supremacist capitalist society and like how that is yeah so important
2: They are so incredible, Emory. I don't know if you're following them yet, but they're so relatable. And I just love how they talk about taking naps, like literally, and then other acts of like resting specifically for Black women. Um, And that's something that I am trying to get better at. And I'm glad that we had this conversation because I want to move away from that scarcity mindset and into an abundance mindset. That's what my mom calls it. Um, And I need to be a little bit better because, you know, it's kind of great having a a therapist for a mom who's like, please relax. Um, But yeah, we have to do that in order to find joy. And like our existence isn't just because of education and even educators, they're still allowed to you know find joy and relax and I feel Mm -hmm. like that joy is what keeps me going because when I started my blog in the first place like I was posting acai bowls and it's come a long way in the last like five (laughs) or so years but maybe I can get back to that a little bit and um you know do the things that make me happy as well
0: yeah because one thing I also think about is like um yeah we I think we feel like to be a black environmentalist we have to constantly talk about our own or divulge our own trauma in some ways and it's like actually we just can get to exist and to talk about the things that we care about and like yeah our joy is important like I was recently I've been like not going on Instagram on the weekends or not going to social media on the weekends and then like posting a roundup on a Monday I think the first week I did it I was like after I posted the roundup I was like now to the important stuff and I shared all these like graphics or like posts about oppression and environmentalism stuff and then I realized like actually wait a minute my joy needs to be important too and I need to stop like and when I when I even say to myself that like my joy isn't important then that's like how I'm viewing myself and that's how I'm I'm not really loving myself enough if I don't think that me feeling joy is important I wouldn't say that to my friends so then why am I saying it to myself so yeah I think checking myself on that's been good as well Is there something that both of you would like to say to the listeners or is there something that you want to express as like a kind of closing remark
1: yeah so i've really really enjoyed this conversation obviously i enjoy any chance to chit chat with the both of you and what i really hope that people take away from this is um sort of the same thing that we were talking about a few months ago um when it comes to how a civil rights movement and an uprising and all these things, um, in a way, like a good thing can still use improvement and a good thing can still be critically examined. So like a good thing is having more conversations, but this can still be critically examined as, why does it take black suffering to get us there? Why does it take Tragedy to make us care for a short time, you know? Um, So what I hope people take away from this conversation is realizing that, like, we're here and we're Black and we're going to be around and, like, we're not going anywhere. And I hope that the energy and the buzz and the passion around all of this um, doesn't go anywhere either.
2: Um, If I had to have like one little ending piece, it would just be that for people to remind themselves like they can't be everything for everyone and that they shouldn't strive to be because... a little, you know, impossible. And through collaboration, I think that, and if we can encourage our followers to know like that, hey, there are some of these other amazing people doing amazing work. And even if you don't connect with me, here's some other really great people. And through collaboration, I think we can actually kind of progress um, environmental justice a little bit more. Um, And that it's okay if not everyone finds you to be relatable or even likes you as a kind of former people pleaser. That's something that I try to remember. Um, And just to be yourself and use your skills, because everyone's skills um, have a place in this movement, even if it's not holding the megaphone. And even if it's through art or if it's through poetry or whatever it might be, any of those skills are super important for the revolution. So, yeah.
0: Oh, and I just want to say as well, like, it's been so lovely to see how both of you have grown and adapted and also like to have had like conversations like not just not just within this podcast conversation but we like all three of us in different ways have had conversations about like challenging each other on things and like all of us kind of wanting to listen and I just think that it's really beautiful and wonderful and yeah it's been really lovely to have this conversation because I feel like a lot of us a lot of us all three of us have like quite sim- similar experiences in some ways and different experiences in others um so yeah she's been so lovely to have you both back here thank you so much for coming on the podcast um and we hope everyone has enjoyed this episode um yeah check out definitely check out um both marie has a patreon and leah intersection environmentalist has a patreon as well doesn't it yes we do yeah and follow um marie marie beach on instagram and leah Um, Leah, Green Girl Leah, I was like, what is Leah's? (laughs) I was like, is it Leah Thomas, Green Girl Leah on Instagram and intersectional environmentalist um, to hear more about all of this. Um, And we hope you enjoy this episode.